Footy and Frothies, our first Sunday session of the off-season, or soon-to-be off-season. Daggy, Barney and Ollie with you. Uh, we're going to spend a few Sundays here and there having a, a general yak and a bit of fun in the sun, I suppose, over a cold beer. And our first one's going to be focused on looking back over the fortunes and favours of the bottom eight this year. Did they live up to expectations? Uh, where to next for some teams? And... I guess just uh, have a little, put the microscope on all of them and see what we come up with uh, over the next sort of hour and a half, I guess. Uh, the grand final is etched in stone, Penrith and Souths ahead of us. We'll, we'll go in depth about the match reviews themselves this Wednesday night, but uh, I'll kick off with you. Well, it was brought to me in the first take that uh, Ollie did tip both winners, so I'll let the Oracle go first. What do you make of both games there? Oh, yeah, great games. I'd also like to... Uh Thank Craig Bellamy for accepting my bribe and throwing the game for Melbourne this week. Um, but no, I'm obviously joking. Oh, they're a bit proud of myself that I tipped both winners, especially the Penrith one. I know not many people were tipping them, but as I said in the first take as well, um, none of that matters. It's the one tip this week that matters. Tipping who, who wins the grand final and all others uh, doesn't matter. It comes down to this one game. I'm looking forward to it. And Bart, I might just get you to turn your, uh, Ollie, just turn your game down a tiny bit. You're a bit watery. Well, Niv turned into what Barney was off here. Uh, we'll work <laughs> out how you, this Are you in a pool right now or something? No, you sound better, say. Yes, I wish I was. We're allowed, aren't we allowed this week? Last week, when we allowed back to pools. If you're in eastern suburbs, you can just live <laughs> in a pool, it's fine. Um, Barney, what's, yeah, what did you take of last night and the night before? Oh, both some, some cracking football played from uh, both of the winning teams. Um there was a, you know, I think Manly and Melbourne both seemed to bring some of their worst stuff from the entire season to their final game of the year, which didn't help their cause. But yeah, I enjoyed watching both games of footy. I thought there was some fantastic footy at different times in both matches. Sabra found his uh, his feet again on, his, on the end of Absolutely. his arms, but uh, we'll save that in depth discussion for Wednesday night. So as I've said, we're going to hopefully over the off season. Keep things ticking over with some uh, in-depth discussions, maybe a bit of other sport reviews on the occasion, hopefully some interviews and some uh, decent guests as well. But for now, we will look back on the bottom eight. Uh, no other news from around the traps, lads. Anything else you want to mention? How your weekend's panned out? No, no cool. not really. We all got into the AFL grand final? No, not at all. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Up the mighty Melbourne Demons. Good for them. All right, let's get into there's It's a funny thing looking back on a whole season review because you sort of sometimes get a bit of recency bias with it where you you forget, you know, for a long time this year, for example, the Dragons were on top of the comp but uh, or undefeated. Uh, but we'll kick off work from the bottom ladder on the way up and kick off with the Canterbury Bulldogs, Barn. Um, do you want to take us away? Have you written any stats or do you just want to tie them in as we chat? Might be easier. Yeah, time. I've, I've gone through, got quite a few stats, to be honest. But we had the dogs of eight points after the, the final um, 24 rounds of the season. They ended up with three wins, 21 losses, uh, 340 points for and 710 against. So an average of 14 points a game for and close to 30 against. It's probably a pretty rough season, which is the way it planned, panned out for the doggies. Yeah, well, so the way we sort of are going to line up, for the next hour and, hour and a bit, we're going to just look at how they lived up to any expectations, maybe talk about some of their best and worst stuff and where to next for them. 
Uh, who wants to have the floor first and kick off? How, Ollie, you may as well given you, uh, you're the Oracle this year and predicted the grand final from all of a massive uh, five days out. Uh, what, yeah, from where you had Canterbury lined up for the year, did they live up to what you expected? Yeah, don't, um, don't ask me about my grand final prediction at the start of the year, but um, no, the Bulldogs actually didn't live up to my expectations. I wasn't tipping them to do anything crazy. I think I had them 14th, but I did expect a bit of improvement, uh, more than three wins. I think I was expecting from the Bulldogs heading into this year with all the signings that they made. And, you know, there were people who would tip them up towards the top eight because they made all these signings, etc. It, it's going to be a very similar um, story heading into next season as well with I'm sure plenty of people making ridiculous claims that they might make the top four or the top eight but um, we'll see how that pans out so no uh, I don't think the Bulldogs lived up to my expectations I, I definitely did not see them winning the spoon yeah no, fair enough Barney uh, where you laid them out uh, where are they at at the moment and uh, I guess you can start diving a little bit into what went wrong yeah, well, I had him. Um, I had him at fifteenth only because I thought that the dragons wouldn't start as well as they did, and I had the dragons actually as my um, wooden spooners. But I did say before the season kicked off that I'd be very surprised if they uh, scored more than five wins, which <laughs> ended up coming true. And yeah. uh, it was the question was always the halves, um, even with the with the with the signings and the outside backs that they did bring into their team. They they were always going to have problems getting the ball out to the outside backs, and that was the majority of their problem for the year. Uh, the forward pack didn't help either, uh, considering that the large majority of the year there was probably only one or two guys in that forward pack that were actually pulling their weight, which um, yeah, did not help them out at all. When, uh, you know, the, the most points from the Dogs was Avarillo with 82 points for, for the season. And um, he only played 17 games, I'm pretty sure it was, for the season as well. So yeah. when you, when your top point scorer scoring 82, that's um, there's, there's dramas there. Well, the whole team scored, was... only scored, I think, 10 points more than Ruben Garrick. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Meany was their top try scorer with 10 tries. Um, and uh, But Jackson was the by far and away their best for the entire season, to be honest. He was averaging 46 tackles a game, made 786 with a tackle efficiency of 93.5%. Uh, he's averaging 143 metres on the back of that. Oh, sorry, that was uh, Thompson was averaging 143 metres in 15 games. Ran for just over 2,000 metres. Uh, Meany again topped the line breaks and considering for a large part of the season he wasn't wanted or wasn't put into the side either mm. um, considering uh, the, the coach who was a superstar attacking coach I'm not sure what he was looking at to be honest line break assist was six for Hopawadi and try assist for six for Avarillo it's just not you know their attack was nowhere near good enough and they weren't going to trouble many teams at all during the year so yeah I think the big story out of the Bulldogs this year is that they had the Spruik attacking coach that supposedly created uh, the New South Wales halves pairing, Luai and Cleary. Uh, yeah. He's gone there, picked up, a, I don't know if he was still a hype player, but a, I think he's still a talented player, uh, young Flanagan, who went backwards. Avarillo was their best Good. half option. I don't. I can't even say he went backwards because I've always, you know, the line I've always said is I don't know what he is, but he's a talented player. Uh, and they've found no one else. Everyone else they well, the other bloke, they found um, found a speaker in a car park and no longer works there. So they, um, they found, uh, uh, it was very concerning that they almost went backwards under him. 
uh, you would have liked to have seen at least something to say there was something to come there. Uh, it, it, and then the other concern for me was that they were a tougher team under the previous coach uh, and probably on paper a less talented team, but they their defence was... When you used to play a Dean Pay Bulldogs team, you had to beat them. You used to have to... Hung into the game. They Absolutely. Would, if you be, and if you beat them, it might be... Uh, 16 to they might not score the points, but you had to, you'd be beating them 18 to 6 or something. Uh, mm-hmm. very rarely was there blowouts, and this one there it just hasn't been a focus of the Bulldogs. Uh, I spruced up their forward pack that they could become scary by the end of the year, and all bar Josh Jackson, um, they found very little. There's I think there's hope there with the likes of Tapine, he's only 18, so he's 17 as well, so he's going to be better. Uh, mm-hmm. and but and Jackson and any other teams are freak. Like he's still a New South Wales class second row. The work he can put out and work he would put out. And uh, actually, uh, I tell you, I've forgotten someone very important in Luke Thompson, who is Luke a, who Thompson, could be yeah, the best front rower in the game, and we don't realise it. Uh, beyond that, there's no one else from their forwards I even really want to touch on. Hetherington, apart from the obvious, was probably disappointing in what he put out, except for the last game against the Tigers. And then you mentioned Meany. He was the Probably the most dangerous looking player at times when he, he's got speed, Absolutely. he's got towards the back end of the uh, year, he could break a line. Crack at it. And if yeah. he got given half a chance, he capitalized. And he's going to be a tremendous asset for what they're paying uh, down at Melbourne. Uh, Avarillo had a couple of flashes, but beyond that, he had two state of origin back, back line players go there, uh, Kotrick and Allen, and they've both disappeared. Kotrick was much better than Alan, to be honest, but um, he still wasn't great. But they've both disappeared off the face of the earth. Uh, And beyond that, there's there's nothing else you can even say as a positive, I don't think. Uh, Kotrick did have 58 tackle busts. He was the highest tackle bust for the Dogs. Um, Meany with the most errors, but obviously also the most attacking player in that team with 18 errors. Hetherington conceded a penalty every game he played, so he had 17 <laughs> games and conceded 17 penalties and topped the count for the entire NRL, I think. And Elliot found his way out of the club altogether and he had 52 missed tackles, which was their leading missed tackles for the Bulldogs. So. Yeah, uh, and ultimately, I use a line halfway through that, you know, they're 70% of a football team. They, they know how to hold the ball for a while, but they don't really, they let, trailed the comp in almost all attacking stats, I believe. Uh, <laughs> especially in line engagements. So there just wasn't any creativity under him. And I think if they've put this season almost on hold in the hope of what's going to happen next year, I think going forward, uh, they're not suddenly going to be a top six team, even with the names coming in. I think they'll be a much improved team, but I think there's a long way to go uh, as a club and as a culture to get back to where they need to be. And I'm, to be brutally honest, not sure Barrett's the one to take him there. Uh, am I wrong, Barn? No, I don't think so at all, mate. That was another big point that I did before the season kicked off. I've always had question marks around Trent Barrett's coaching, and I'm not sure, even with some of the guys that are coming there this year, whether it's going to help that much, to be honest. Uh, The completion, as you mentioned, was 79%, which is probably the best out of the entire top eight. And their tackle efficiency was 88%, which again was up... Uh, one of the better ones in the t- in the bottom eight, but um, you know they can do that. The the they can tick off the a few of the boxes, but they're just yeah, creativity was absolute, an absolute worry. They're going to get Burton in there, which should help a little bit, but this, he's going to need some more people around him. Ollie, uh, yeah, any thoughts on all of that? 
Yeah, I think what a lot of people are going to remember too, that are sort of jumping on this Bulldogs hype train for next year with the signings they've made, it's because the team, to not be too disrespectful, has been so bad that they've needed to sort of make those signings. And when you make an abundance of signings, it looks really good. But at most, it's just going to get them up around that same level of most of the teams who are sort of fighting to make the eight that have already signed players throughout the years, that have already built a team up. The Bulldogs are just playing catch-up. And, and yeah, a lot of people have got to remember too, there's going to be a lot of congestion around that 7th to 10th, 11th next year. The Bulldogs might be one of the teams in there, they might not. But if the Bulldogs are in that scrap, to be honest, I can't really tip them to be one of those two teams that had finished seventh and eighth at least not at the moment so yeah definitely still some work to do and i have to agree i'm not too sure whether or not um trent barrett's the man to take him there but he's got his man now in matt burton he's supposedly in a great attacking and halves coach he would have worked with burton then at the panthers so you know theoretically it's a a good move but if burton goes there and doesn't play to how we expect him to or to how we know he can play then I think that's going to reflect really bad on Trent Barrett and it, in the end could be one of the contributing factors to him losing his job. Yeah, the thing about Almost. Matt Burton is we know what we get in that uh, he's got that uh, right foot step sort of play and he's got the big boot on him, but when he was the chief playmaker for Penrith, he was, I felt he was exposed. Is that is that fair enough? Yeah, it looked that way, different times. Um and there's nothing wrong there's with that. Man. As a you know, at the end of the day, Brad Fitley did pretty well, with not much more than that. But um, uh, he, yeah, I felt he he did. He's not ex- put this way. He wasn't Jonathan Thurston, was he? So it's a lot to lump on him as a first full time. Would he play five eight? I suppose. Who's yeah? Well, it looked like they've um they've planned on putting Avarillo in as in as seven, but I I don't honestly prefer to have Avarillo at six and probably even try and push Burton into seven. Yeah, I think, and it makes sense. It's not that big a deal. He's got he's a good he's a great defensive player. He's fast. He could almost mould himself off a of Jerome Hughes, uh, in a similar situation if brought in the right way. So, yeah, um, where to next year, Barn? We'll finish on that. Yeah, as I said, I, I can't see him improving a hell of a lot, to be honest. I think they probably should have um, laid off the outside backs a little bit, to be honest. Um, Burton had a car and then maybe just gone, they need some forwards, man. Well, just quickly. And they need we, that go forward. We they are going to... blokes to help those other two in the middle mm-hmm. that we mentioned earlier. We are going to talk about it, uh, I suppose, end of February, which had traditionally sit down and do our big deep dive into the preview. But quickly, Adokar, Asiata, Burton, Cook, uh, Joshua Cook, that is, Dufty, Naden, Pengai, and Vaughan, who will both no doubt help. Absolutely. Uh, are the pickups for next year. They've lost it. They've, they've killed a lot of Deadwood off there, which is good. And signed up. A, and securing just um, like your Jerry Marshall King, I suppose, is a good thing. And Aaron Shoup for the near future. You don't, I would almost have Shoup in the centres ahead of. Uh, your Cotricks and Allens at the moment, so and with Hopawato going, so th- there's positive signs, but I wouldn't be, you know, overly optimistic just yet. I think they're, they're probably pushing towards top ten more than top eight or six next year. Ollie, yeah, I have to agree. Uh, anything else we want to say about the Bulldogs before we move on? 
No, not, not, not a lot. Um, I, yeah, I'd like to see him get a worker in there, someone who's just going to make 40 or 50 tackles because you did mention Pengai Jr. and Vaughan. While they can be explosive ball in hand, they, they need some blokes in there that are going to tackle in the middle yeah. and yeah, help out Jackson and Thompson. So. Yeah, well, it, it, they've got one of the best in Jackson, but they could really use, uh, you know, it wouldn't be the, I don't know how much money they've got, probably not a lot, but uh, someone like a Tarek Sims might be the perfect one to, to complement what they need there, but we can, we'll probably say it a bit in the next hour or so. Uh, so, yeah, we were, I guess we haven't really planned this out a great deal, but I guess we won't really make any rubber stamp forecast for next year until we do our preview show. But no. ultimately, we'll just all agree that perhaps a fair bit of work still to do. Yep. Cool. We get to the North Queensland Cowboys who finished 15th. Uh, Barney, you can lead us away again with your stats and how do they match up to your expectations this year? Yeah, well, they finished with 16 points with seven wins, uh, 17 losses. And I think they lost, what, they lose nine in a row at the back end of the season to completely fall yeah, off, so they, the, off they the won, um They won six from eight during that middle period there from about round, I think, yeah. five. And then that was it. Up until origin time and then yeah. just completely fell off a cliff at the back end of origin. They scored 460 points and had 748 scored against them. So they averaged 19 points a game and averaged 31, uh, which was the worst in the competition for uh, points against. So um, I had them at, before ball was kicked at the start of the season. I had them in 12th. I thought they were a good chance to be in and around the bottom of the um of the bottom of the eight and looking for a spot to possibly push towards the bottom of the eight. But, um, and they were in that position, as I mentioned, up until origin time, but uh, it was it seemed to coincide when Clifford left and didn't turn up, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Clifford looked like he was getting into a nice little bit of form there. And then, um, then they swapped him and he went to Newcastle and they picked up Dean and they just, they completely lost all, all their attack once that happened. And, as you mentioned, uh, finished with one of the worst worst lo- losing runs at the back end of a season that I've seen for a long time. So, Yeah, they had issues throughout the year. In that When they found their group, I, I don't, God bless him, I don't quite know what, if Todd Payton knows where the team's going. I don't know, you know, he seemed to change his mind on what he would do with Tamalolo every week. He seemed to change his mind on his halves a couple of times. Changed you know, his mind. Morgan at the beginning of the year. That obviously, obviously losing doesn't help. You know, a, a superstar mm-hmm. of the game doesn't help. But uh, albeit one that it was a bit busted by that stage. But they lost. Um, but then they seemed to sh- Val struggled at the back end. I felt and then got shuffled around. Uh, Hammer got shuffled around between injuries. Tuolungi was good for a bit, but then lost a bit of momentum. It's and obviously it's hard when you're getting beaten to keep momentum, but it, they felt a bit lost by the end of the year. The defence was abysmal, which is probably the the story of a lot of these teams, uh, and uh, that came through a lot of their forwards. Your Cohen Hesses, the world just letting through soft tries. Uh, Drinkwater's defence in the front line when he was at five eight was woeful at times. Uh, there was. Serious concerns, I think, and and the most concerning thing for me uh, is I can't see a lot of upside for next year. Townsend has fallen off a cliff, whether he doesn't care in his little New Zealand foray, but he looked very, very ordinary there. Uh, Hiku's not going to change any of that, and I don't think there's many others. I don't think there's anything else coming in. So no. I, I have concerns. Uh, Ollie, what do you make of the season? Well, just on what you're saying, out of every single team in the competition, no matter where they finish this year, whatever, 
the Cowboys have the least going for them for mm. next year. And that's a huge worry, uh, especially when you consider this season. And honestly, unless your name's Jason Tamalolo or Reese Robson, pretty much, I could understand if the Cowboys got rid of every other player pretty much and cleaned them out. You know, we talk about the Tigers and obviously because they're a, a New South Wales-based club, a Sydney-based club, I should say, they get a lot of the media attention. But if the Tigers are bad, which they have been, the Cowboys are absolutely atrocious. Oh, they're it, a lot worse in terms of like backroom as well, everything that's going I know, on. Yeah, club. and I know it's easy yeah, for... And I, and I get why your 360s and your Sunday telegraphs yeah. have the microscope on the Tigers and Parramatta because they're the clickbait and they're yeah. the ones... But honestly, between Cowboys and the stuff that happened at Cowboys and stuff that happened at Newcastle, if that happened to a Sydney club, it would be yeah. like in the news every day, some of the shit that was going yeah. on. Um, 100%. Yeah, you mentioned Reese Robson. Uh, so some bright li- were there some bright lights from the year for you, Ollie? Yeah, well, it pretty much I've got down here Talmalolo and Robson. Other than, in terms of the consistent basis, putting in consistent performances, it was those two. Um, the big letdown for me, though, was Tom Dean coming into the Cowboys side. I could have probably chucked Valentine Holmes in there as well for someone who's earning a million a year to be playing it consistently, sort of. And he, he looked good at fullback for that sort of period, that April-May period uh, this year. But other than that, he's just not been up to standard, in my opinion. Again, it's probably one of the reasons why they've not been able to bring in some more players other than a Chad Townsend and Peter Hickey because a lot of their... Uh, salary caps going towards him and Tamalolo, and obviously they've had to pay out on Michael Morgan as well, so it doesn't help there. It's um, it, it it's bleak times ahead for the Cowboys. Honestly, I know we're not giving outright predictions until the preview show, but I'll be honest. Right now, I'm thinking the Cowboys win the wooden spoon next year, and I'm relatively confident I'm going to be tipping them to win the wooden spoon come late February as well. There is literally nothing going on at this team, and it's it's. Gravely concerning, honestly. Um, yeah, I have to echo very much um, what you've said there. you got folks like, as you mentioned, Tamalolo, Robson, and I'd probably say Jordan McLean probably had one of his better years. Um, just well, he, involvement. Had he, he had a real good month, but yeah. yeah you could say it about a lot of them, He's not, obviously, the you know, he didn't set the world on fire, but he did a bit more work than he has done in the previous couple of years. Um uh-huh. You got you guys like Felt who do a, do their job every week. Um, he's someone that they're probably not going to go and get rid of anytime soon. He, he's a he's a good finisher, and Hamiso does look like he's got something there. Whether he ends up back at fullback for them, I think might end up uh, the way that they go next year with him at fullback because he did look, especially at the back end of the year, where he did have, um, you know, he's very quick. He's got some good uh, good footwork, and he can get around players and set up a line break or, you know, tear down the side, tear it a um, defence apart if he gets the right ball at the right time. But, yeah, they're very concerned. And as Ollie said, they're looking to me like they're going to be at the very bottom of the table. Yeah, I don't have much more to add in terms of, yeah, I can see myself tipping, tipping him for a wooden spoon. If I'm going to pick a... Obviously, Reese Robson had a tremendous year. Uh, I think he led the run metres for hookers. I don't know if that's still relevant, Barn, but he was up there... Yes, late. Did. Uh, um, and the combination. Uh, oh, sorry, go. On. No, no, you go. And the combination. But, you know, you, you could, in another world, get excited about the combination of Tualungi, uh, Hammer, and uh, Val Holmes. And, and maybe if yes. they try and stack a side, stack a right or a left side, and try and play that way, um, yeah. that can give you something. Uh, and obviously, Kyle felt, you know, he's a first grade winger, I think, in every, every club in the comp. 
but yeah, beyond that, you, you, a couple of you know, you guys like your Lukies and that had good games, uh, but they've got a lot of work to do. He's a kid, yeah. They, well, individually, potentially could be put good players, but it's one thing being going from that, as we'll see at a few other clubs, going from that to being a good team, and they need someone there to drag them with them. And when you've got your most inspirational player, probably doesn't quite know where he fits in anymore. It's a hard thing to do. I, it, it's. It's, you can't say everyone follow JT if JT doesn't know if he's playing 80 minutes yeah. or 50 minutes or 25. Or or 25. <laughs> so if, he, if you stop punching walls, they might be better off as well. But uh, um, anything else left for the Cowboys? Do we? Yeah. Have we? Have we? I, well, I guess now that we've all pretty much tipped them to finish last next year, they'll probably end up making the eight. Isn't that how it works? The, the clouds will align. Fucking whatever they say, and they'll probably end up making the, the, the stars will align. The stars, clouds, well, <laughs> will align. The clouds for Cowboys. I don't yeah. know. Well, their uh, biggest problem is their forward pack, just like the dogs, mate. They need they need some workers in there. They need someone that's going to help out the likes of Tom Alolo and Robson when they're making a million tackles in the middle of the field. Um, Valentine Holmes scored the most points for him with 126. Felt with 12 tries. Robson averaged 38 tackles a match. He made 911 tackles at an 89% uh, tackle efficiency. Holmes averaged 174 metres a game in 20 games, which got him 3,500 metres for the season. Um, but, yeah, but, yeah, top line breaks were felt with 15. Drink water, line break assists, 19. And try assists, 17. But uh, there wasn't a lot there. The most errors in the game were made by Holmes with 38. Drinkwater gave away 11 penalties for the season, which was their worst. And he missed 92 tackles, which was the worst for the NRL. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I knew it was bad, but I didn't, uh, I didn't look at the stats specifically. Considering he doesn't make as many as the most of the blokes on top of that list were either hookers or back rowers that make yeah. a million tackles as well. Yeah. And he's uh, he's averaging half as many tackles and missing more than anybody else. It's um it's definitely a concern. Yeah, let's get to number fourteen, Brisbane Broncos. Who look, I I would say they performed below expectations, at least where I had them at study. I, I had higher hopes for them than what they achieved at fourteen. Uh, they folded very easily in too many games, especially early on. There and then. The games, they'll produce efforts where you thought, here they are, they're back, they're about to springboard off this. It was almost, and you pointed out pretty early in the year, Ollie, it was almost the, the weeks they'll get your hopes up about, hey, they've clicked, they're about to come back. They might The the Penrith game, uh, yeah. the game against Titans where Izaku looked like a superstar, uh, some other games, and they'd follow it up by getting beat by 40. And it was, uh, so there was no consistency. And then I think the... Doesn't help when you have forty-three halves combinations. Uh, it didn't help again, and a common theme is coaching issues. I suppose through all of, actually, when I look through all of the bottom eight, we can find a pretty clear theme uh, with issues at some point or another with a coach. So, uh, yeah, concerns of Kevy, concerns of playing group. Uh, they got rid of Lodge throughout the year. Uh, he, I think he had players here he didn't really want as well. Uh, they have, but by the back end, I think when the weight came off Milford. When he signed elsewhere, he became a superstar again. Don't know how he's going to again fit in uh, with the issues going on at the moment, uh, whether South would touch him. But, yeah, very disappointing season overall. But enough of a shot of all the teams in this bottom eight, I would say, I dare say, apart from perhaps the Sharks when we get to them. 
I think there's a shining light there that if I was a Broncos fan, at least I'd have I'd have optimism. Uh, Ollie. No, well, just on Milford, um, the poor Blake will talk about it. it's good. He's getting the pressure off of Matt. Well, he now possibly could be work, walking into a situation where he's the replacement for their captain and their He could also the not be walking premiers. into no job so at all. He could also be, uh, obviously, allegations pending, whatever. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but the Broncos, yeah, I think they definitely should be optimistic for next year. Um, and I think they definitely should improve on this year's result. I had them... At 15th, they finished 14th. So I'd say, yeah, they were, they were around sort of what I expected, a bit of improvement, but nothing nothing that blows your socks off. Um, next year, I think they will be in that hunt for the top eight, whether they make it or not. Another question this year. Uh, Payne Haas was obviously the, the main man there and the one who every week was consistently impressive. And I've also chucked in TPJ just for how he improves. I know he's now, well, he's playing in the goddamn grand final this week, but um, he's, <laughs> could win a comp. Um, yeah, could win a comp win a from um, um, possibly finishing 14th. But um, yeah, TPJ uh, chucked him in there as well. One of the big disappointments for me, and I guess it's just sort of overall the past couple of years, and I know Barney and I have bagged on about him. Brady Croft was supposed yep. to be the half that brought him back to the promised land, despite the only reason why Brisbane signed him was because Bellamy dropped him and then released him because he wasn't good enough. The Broncos thought, oh, he'd be a great player to sign to take us into the future. It was a lot of pressure for him, especially after that nut punch, I guess you could say, from Melbourne. Um, and it hasn't worked out in the end. And now they've got Adam Reynolds coming in and experienced half, a premiership-winning half possible, two-time premiership-winning half, um, heading to the club next year. Kurt Capel, possible premiership winner. Geez, Brisbane are picking up some players from um, from both sides of these two teams, which really excites me for next year as well. Um, but yeah, this year it has to be Haas, TPJ, and, and mainly the Fords. You'd have to say from Brisbane, that's been the consistent thing for the past couple of years. But yeah, they've even got Elias Brunke Lee coming in as well, who should add a little bit of something, hopefully, um, to their edge. So yeah, promising signs for the Broncos next year. Um, Again, they'll sort of be in that hunt for the eight, but it's pretty congested there, so we'll see. Barn, yeah, just go back to your take on the season, first of all. Yeah, well, I had them in, in 14th, and uh, the, the big question that I had on them from the uh, from the start of the year was their halves. Um, I never liked the lineup that they had, and neither did Kebby, obviously, because he, he chopped and changed <laughs> it every second week. Um, I think, as you mentioned, they had up where, up near 10 different combinations for the entire season and between three different players. It's, it's pretty hard to do, but he managed to do it somehow. I know. Um, uh, Carmichael jumped in there for a bit just to give <laughs> oh, you that's right. another was in there. multiple. And then we multiple. had, um, we, yeah, we had Louis in there as well, wasn't it? Oh, not Louis. Um, <laughs> Kelly. Albert Kelly was Albert in Kelly. there as well. So, yeah, there was a few. Um, but, yeah, the, they pretty much went straight to my expectations, to be honest. I had them in 14th. I thought they would struggle. Their forward pack did a pretty good job considering what they had for the rest of the team. There is a couple of um, couple of young kids that I do like in there in Herbie Farnsworth who seemed to improve markedly towards the back end of the year. And Tessie knew once was once he was given an opportunity, does look um, very likely ball in hand. Um, he's got a few issues in defensive positioning and stuff like that at fullback, but... Ball in hand, he can be a handful. So um, they've got something to work with there, as you mentioned, with the new half coming in. And Kate well should help, help one of those edges. He does a fair bit of work, as we've seen, in defence and attack. So he's um, he's definitely a positive for the Broncos. I think they should improve slightly on where they finish this year, next year, but we'll get around to that in the future. 
Uh, again, very similar to the Cowboys, seven wins, 17 losses. But they seem to do it the other way around. They front ended the, the the front end of their season. They were abysmal, and then they picked it up to, at the back of end of Origin and into the back the end of is, the year. You can, so you can understand, and we'll get the Tigers next. But when you're heading that way as a club, and you have changes throughout the year, but then you can see a direction yeah, yeah, by the end. Like you've got to take yeah, that absolutely. as a positive. You can say, okay, you can get Kevy having to clean the shit out if he doesn't think whatever. Well. You can almost give them, well, you can give them benefit of the doubt thinking uh, that, yeah, they're heading somewhere. Yep, absolutely. Uh, 446 points for, 695 against. So it's an average of 18.5 points for and 28 or 29 points against for every game of the year, which is obviously not good enough. And that's why you end up in 14th. The top point scorer was Asako, 18 games, 124 points. Coates with, uh, in 17 games, he scored uh, 11 tries. Which obviously you need you need a few more tries out of your top try scorer. Um, Turpin averaged forty one tackles a match, nine hundred and four tackles for the season, and ninety three percent efficiency. Um, one hundred and sixty eight meters, an average per game, three thousand three hundred and sixty one, and two hundred and ninety five hit ups for Payne Haas. As we mentioned, he's a superstar. He's one of the best front rows going around, and expect that to continue. Uh, Herbie was their top line breaks with 11. Line break assists was Gamble, believe it or not, with six line break assists for the season in 13 games. And Milford had uh, nine try assists in 13 games also. So uh, Tackle bust was Asako again with 69, considering he missed a fair few. I thought somebody else may have taken that from him, but that's what it was. Coates made 31 errors. I think errors, he had 39 is, uh, of them in that, in that Titans game. Yeah. <laughs> Coates made 31 errors, which, you know, when he's consistently jumping for the ball, it generally happens. The wingers seem to drop quite a few, even when they do take spectacular marks and score tries. Alex Glenn missed 60 tackles, which just wasn't too bad considering some of the other stats that we're going to see coming up from different teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I... Well, you, we don't need to spend too much more on Payne House, but obviously he's a, the premier front row in a comp, uh, if not top three, uh, but absolutely outstanding. Herbie... Maybe the little underrated workhorse of the comp, and I think if in a better team he can, he'll well, duh, he'll be a better player in a better team. But <laughs> gets a bit of help around him, and maybe having a capo to play outside of, he can be a, yeah, and a he's, a, he's a line a line finder when he gets a chance. He's a, a tackle breaker and and a little battler, so he will be better next year and better for the run. He's now this is now his third year in NRL, isn't it? It's something I think Pretty it's sure. his third. Yeah. Um, Gamble found a bit of form, and I believe Kevy likes him, so yeah. I think he's going to be first choice 5'8", which is fine because it gives Reynolds something to work off of a platform where he can be the kicker and the structure. Uh, yeah, as I said, I'll be... And I like... Um, I'll quickly touch on a few other guys you mentioned new, but uh, Selwyn Cobo is going to have something to offer down the road, a bit of fitness, a bit of experience, lose a bit of the you know puppy fat and um, strengthen up a little bit. Uh, I mean, I have all due respect to him. I'm sure he's very nice, but uh, he'll be stronger and bigger as he gets older. And uh, TC Rabadi, your Hetheringtons of the world, they're all going to be decent first-grade footballers. And when you throw some experience around them, I think they I think they will... I don't want to rubber stamp from top eight, but I think they'll push much, much stronger towards your seven, eight, nine position than they were this year. Uh, yeah, Reynolds will be big. And you mentioned earlier, Brenko Lee, uh, Jordan Pereira... They add something to Pereira's an underrated winger. Uh, so, and Ryan James coming in to play yeah. in the forward pack as well. So, 
Ben Arkendir now looks like he's got the club heading in the right direction, which if you're a fan, what more can you... Well, it's all you want to ask for. You touched on the flops in Croft and everything, so I guess we can probably move on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, 13th, the West Tigers. Uh, <laughs> who wants to go first? Uh, I think the, the fearless leader should probably uh, should kick us off with his team. Yeah. All right, well... Yeah, they had... 18 points, 8 wins, 16 losses, 500 points for and 714 against. Average of 21 points for and 30 points against for the season. Was that the worst in the, in the comp? Or no, Cowboys were the worst, 31. Yeah. Look, they... Yes, they, they... I had high expectations, but I don't think a lot of people... A lot of other people did, so maybe I'm the one that's wrong there. I thought they could have pushed... And ultimately, there are only a couple of wins out... Uh, they had the the run there where if they had a beaten South, they did beat Penrith, and if they had have got over Parramatta in that game, they might have had a bit more confidence heading the back end of the year. But that's a long time ago. Now, there's obviously massive issues. There's defensive issues and commitment issues where I think players need to be held more accountable. I hope. Well, looking at recent news, so Madge has been told he's got another year. There won't be cameras there every waking second. I don't know how much of a difference it makes, but it can't. It can't be a disadvantage of not being there. Uh, they have cultivated some good young players and injuries crawled some of that last year. Their biggest concern for me is leadership. There was just games that they, they should have won and didn't win because they didn't have a leader. Uh, Tamo was disappointing in that regard. I don't think he, uh, which rightly or wrongly, I don't think he grabbed the team by the balls and said, come on, let's go, let's pull our fingers out and do this. Uh, disappointed in Luke Brooks, who's a 150-game first-grade player who still doesn't seem to have that leadership stuff in him. And uh, it's, to be honest, and I, and I don't hate bagging a bloke because he, his stats, I'm sure, read really well, actually, when you look back at him and will fit in another team. But Luke Brooks should have got the Tigers home in a couple of those games, which would have got them a little bit higher. Um they But th- there's some shining lights there. So for me, the, the best player performances. Back in the obviously it took a Manu, I think this time next year will, will be on the New South Wales bench. He'll be pretty close to it, and he's already been. He's already twentieth, twentieth uh, man. He's been in the camp. They like him. He came back a better player from that. Uh, Luciano busts his hump every week. Has some defensive issues, uh, and Adam Dewey uh, isn't that far off being a representative player. Uh, has a great boot. Still needs to probably learn his role in team. Probably struggles because he's in a team where. I think there's a few. I think the deeper issue with him is when their senior players aren't leaders. Some of the younger players are scared of t- stepping on toes around the leaders. So if you start calling all the shots, then there's a, a, a rank thing. But if the the rank isn't gonna, the higher ranks aren't gonna step up, then some of the younger ones do. I believe the opinion within the club is that Dewey's a club captain down the road, so maybe they hopefully they back him and run with that. Uh, Dane Laurie, fantastic. We talked about him in uh, Rookie of the Year. Categories, uh, Mamolo was good as a buy, but very, very disappointing apart from that. They, they've now finally shed a lot of that last bit of dead wood. I hope it's not a case of Magic getting sacked five games in. Uh, but for me, uh, we'll talk about, I'll talk about next year in a minute. Uh, I've ranted for long enough. Ollie, what do you make of the Tigers season? Yeah, well, the big thing I've got to hear from the Tigers is that they have some great talent for years to come, especially, and we've named all of them, you know, your Dewey's, your Leilua's, Stefano and Dane Laurie are the four 
sort of key players I have there for them going forward. And they definitely will improve. And I'm convinced within the next at least two to three years, they will be back in the top eight if they back those guys. The biggest disappointment for me, uh, I'm, I'm not going to go with Luke Brooks because he's the obvious one, but I've actually gone with David Mufaluma. Last uh, year I, was in re- representative form. Um, the bloke can't tackle and never has been able to, but at least you're getting that strike rate in attack. And this season, he is just, I don't know what's happened to him. He's just not been good really at all. He's now the club's all-time leading try scorer. I guess good on him for that. But um, yeah, he was just a big letdown for me in 2021 after realistically with the extended origin squads that the teams had last year was probably actually a bit unlucky to miss out on being selected. Um, I don't know if that's had an impact on him, but yeah, overall, look, there was obviously great signs, and it's not too dissimilar from the Broncos. They put in a good performance. They nearly beat a top team, or they beat a sort of team you wouldn't expect them to beat. And then the next year, they next year, sorry, the next week, they would get beaten easily by just a crap team. The biggest example is when they nearly and arguably should have beaten Parramatta in round four, I think it was. Yep. And then the next week at halftime, they're down 20 to nil against the Cowboys, who hadn't won a game all year. Um, so it's just stuff like that. Um, I'm glad they're backing Madge. In terms of the options available, I still think he's probably the best choice out of those for them. And yeah, those players going forward, uh, I think will have a really big impact. Obviously, the English contingent coming over to uh, Gildart and Hastings. Hastings, it'll be interesting because you spoke about how they need leadership. Um, and obviously, it doesn't matter if you're playing Super League NRL. It doesn't matter what level leadership is leadership. And he's been a great leader at Wigan. I know that he's pretty much controlled that team. So if you can bring that attitude over to the Tigers, I think it'll help him out of time. Pat? You guys have covered pretty much everything, I think. <laughs> um, the absolute shining light, definitely for the Tigers, is Stefano Utukumanu. I thought he was brilliant, especially at the back end of this season. Um, he looks like he's going to grow into being one of the better front rowers running around in the competition. I had the Tigers finishing... 13th, funny enough, I actually got a couple right. I didn't get much of the top right, but I got I got a few right down towards the bottom here, and I think I had 5th, 6th, and 7th right as well. But, um, yeah, the, the Tigers' biggest concern was always going to be their control um, from their spine, basically. Their 9, their 7, and their 6 was always was always my question marks on where they would go. Uh, their outside backs were very disappointing at different times of the year. Um Obviously, young Tommy Talao, he's got a really good game in him, but then he's got two or three shockers in him as well. His, handle, his hands <laughs> get really bad at different times. And they just seem to lose um, their composure under pressure, especially their their halves. Obviously, Dewey had to take over a lot of um, a lot of leadership for this team, getting them around the field and actually setting up points for this team, uh, which is surprising considering, as you mentioned, you've got a bloke there who's played 150-odd first-grade games who should be the guy doing that and just doesn't seem to want to do it. Yeah. There's no interest in leading the team around. He just wants to play a part. Uh, the nine's a big issue for them. I know you've got Little and Simpkins there, but at times the service coming out of nine was um, really bad <laughs> when you compare it to some of the other nines running around. Um, Little works his ass off in defence, but he's got a few issues with his service off the ground. Um, Simpkins seems to be the other way around a little bit. He's a bit hit and miss with his defence, but his service is a fair bit better and a bit quicker than what you get out of Little. So if you could combine the two of them, <laughs> maybe mm. you get something going on there, but... 
Um, yeah, the nine worries me. This, as I said, their centers were deplorable at times. A lot of points came through their outside backs where teams would just get on a roll and they continually hit that same spot and score a lot of points. Um, the Tigers need, obviously, that's where their biggest problem is. They need to fix up some of their defensive structures. I don't know if it's a training thing or if it's just blokes. They seem to get their head down and then they just get steamrolled. Yeah, and that's a. Sure. I think I still feel that's a, a leadership thing that they need someone to put the rocket up them sometimes, and I don't know if they back up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Top point scorer was Dewey with 174. Top try scorer was Mamalo. I think he got a few of those before he came across, but he ended up with 15 tries. Uh, not many though. Was, not many. No, yeah. Little had an average of 39 tackles a game. He made 791 for the season, but his efficiency of 84. percent uh, most run meters was 158 on an average for Mamalo again with 3,300 running meters. Twelve with 280 hit ups, who was good. Um, he's obviously not someone who takes a game by a scruff of the neck, but he gets in there and does his work. Mamalo with 14 line breaks, 16 try, uh, 16 line break assists, and 17 try assists from Dewey. And Nofaluma had a had three or four. Um, uh, three or four of the higher watermarks for the team. He had 50 offloads, but as I mentioned, I think a few of those were when he was going out to touch. <laughs> 89 tackle busts, but he had 29 errors as well, which doesn't help. Yeah, well, the surprising stat was Tigers were second on the offload chart to Parramatta, I believe. So Yeah, yeah, they did they did throw the ball around. There's something to be, you know, you can work with something like that, but um, yeah. they need one or two blokes that can sort of bust a hole in the middle as well rather than just sort of run up and get tackled. Brooks with 15 penalties for the conceded for the season. Uh, Talau with 18 handling errors. And Brooks again with 76 missed tackles for the Tigers. I think, for me, it, it, a lot's going to actually depend on the next three months. Because you've got 1.5 mil to spend. Uh, there's your Tarek Sims of the world. Uh, I I wouldn't go near Tyrone Peachy, with uh, all due respect to him. So I'll be trying to... I'll be try, I'll, almost... Not overpaying, but trying to offer Tarek 600 if you can get him to Tiger, I think he'll make a difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's not a lot else around at the moment. Uh, but there'll be changes. There'll be swaps and changes between all sorts of clubs coming up. Uh, if it was me, I would be looking to try and have uh, Hastings start at 7, Dewey at 6, and if Brooks is still there, play him at 14. Mm-hmm. And then pick, uh, and pick a hooker. And then go and go, right, we're going to back... I'd probably back Simpkins because I think his service is better. There's games where he offered, uh, and he's still growing, but there's games where he offered some lovely uh, intensity in service from from dummy half. So uh, I would be backing him. You throw Laurie back in there, uh, Gildart. At least that gives you it gives you something to work with. Is is Absolutely. sort of where I'm going. So uh, mail was today from Brent Reed. Uh, which Brett Reed's almost on James Hooper level for me these days, but he reported that they're looking at Shane Vlanagan or Dean Pay as a defensive coach. Uh, so we will see, and yeah, we'll see what that means. Um, I probably wouldn't be unhappy with either, but it's not up to Madge. That's going to be a decision for our fabled board. Uh, any final words on the Tigers, gentlemen? I guess I should just uh, jump in and you know, bring it up and admit defeat, but I actually had the Tigers win in the wooden spoon this year and they didn't. So uh, shame on me for that. And I guess just uh, one last thing on the Tigers is that um, hopefully their ex-premiership winning coach, Tim Sheen's coming back into fold, into the fold uh, is a positive for the club and really helps them out. Uh, nothing to add? 
Um, I think you've covered it off really well. Um, they, they definitely need a leader in their general to get them around the place and tell them where they need to go and what they need to do. Fair enough. Twelfth position this season was the New Zealand Warriors, again based out of... Uh, where were they based out of Central Coast until everyone went yeah. went north again? Uh, probably we all would have found them slightly disappointing, I think, Barney. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I had them uh, finishing ninth. I thought they'd be well and truly in the fight for the top eight at the end of the season. Uh, a few things didn't exactly go to plan, obviously, with um, RTS, and there was a few issues with different uh, different injuries and stuff through the year, but their main problem was their halves again. Um, you see it as a common, <laughs> a common theme with the bottom eight teams. It's either the halves aren't good enough or their forward pack's not good enough, and it just seems to be a reoccurring thing. Um definitely nowhere near enough structure, organisation out of their halves, which was a question mark of mine, but I thought that their forward pack would get them, uh, do enough for them to get through and get a few wins, which uh, didn't end up being the case. I think probably majority of their wins actually did come through their forwards, but um, I thought they might have grabbed another couple. They weren't that far away at the end. of This was a big clump sort of at the back end of the season. Only sort of one or two wins away from being close enough. But, yeah, they just weren't good enough. They had eight wins for the season, 16 losses, 453 points, which was probably um, one of their issues, not scoring enough points to win the games, and 624 against. So an average of 19 points a game and 26 points against. Yeah, they're, uh, their halves were, well, the, the latest half they bought in uh, Townsend provided absolutely zero and I think they probably paid overs for him for the four games I had him from what I remember but it was funny at the start of the year it looked like Nick Arima and uh, Chanel were going to be world beaters they had the win over they beat the Titans early they beat who was a bit early they beat the Canberra and they beat Dragons when Dragons were undefeated uh, in, a, in a really good game where Nick Arima looked like a star for a lot of that he um, was creating stuff he was running the ball uh, and Chanel was good, uh, and it was almost like when they bought Reese Walsh in, uh, who obviously is a fantastic player. Uh, we're talking off him way, and but uh, they bought him in, moved RTS, and it all went to shit. I thought RTS was actually having his best year to date up until that point, and even afterwards, Absolutely. he was sensational. He was in a conversation for most underrated player all year. He was fantastic wherever he ended up playing. Uh, and that just disrupted them enough. Uh, and their big forward pack, once injuries kicked in, they had the the bit through the middle where they sort of fell off fell off a cliff. Uh, and, and I think they only beat the Tigers twice and the Dogs by the end of the year after that run. Um, disappointing because I thought they could have offered more, but I think losing RTS is massive. And, and just as they tend to be, that bit of consistency. Uh Fenel Blake was absolutely fantastic. Uh, when we talk about best props in the game, he's in that. What would you say, top four? Uh, yeah, five. five. Let's say five, whichever way you yeah. you lined them all up. Uh, but for a lot of games, they got to the stage at that back end where the middle would just sort of collapse on itself, especially when Fenel Blake wasn't there. Um, but they had the big boppers at the start of the year, and it's working for a while. But they got found exposed pretty soon. Uh, Ollie, what do you take from the year? Uh, well, I taken that the Warriors desperately need their forwards fit and firing for big portions of next year because that's really what they're riding on for this season. You know, you've been Murdoch Masillas, um, Adam Fanil, Blake, 
Jordan Aiken now looks like it and struck a really good second rower. Um, you know, those three blokes alone in that solid board pack. Yeah, Josh Curran as well. Um, they could be imposing next year and should have been this year, obviously, if not for injuries. And I think that really let them down sort of at that middle period. It seemed like they had one or two of their starting boards actually fit um, at different points throughout the season and it really didn't help. The biggest disappointment was obviously Chad Townsend considering they brought him in during the season to help him do a job and make the finals. Um, one of the impressive players, I thought, that surprised me a bit, he did start off a bit slow when he came in halfway through the year, uh, Sean O'Sullivan. Um, I think he sort of found his feet a bit towards the end of the season. Um, but I remember last year when Nathan Brown was announced as the new head coach, within two days he'd made two confirmed signings, I'm pretty sure. Um, one of them was Kane Evans. Um, <laughs> maybe the less said about him, the better. But, um, no, let's talk you know, about him. He, no, talk yeah. About yeah, there, there was some real intent. There was some intent there from Brown. He made a statement. Yeah, he obviously he assembled, to and at the time Gus was there too, they, they assembled yeah. the biggest forward pack in the comp. Yeah. Uh, and big, big boys. Merck Masilla, as we said, the size of a small house. Um, and then it's not actually their fault because a lot of rule changes happened on the fly at the bar around the same time, but yeah. the game didn't suit them, did they? Absolutely no, not. They, they did gas out a lot of the times at the back end of games. Um, while you were still getting output with ball in hand, the, in defence, there was holes sort of all over the place in the middle there at different times. And um, their outside back struggled in defence as well. So when, when you put those two together, there's just way too many holes for you, the likes of Josh um, Josh Curran to cover up because <laughs> that's basically what he spent most of the game doing was covering other people and making tackles. But, um, yeah, they, as we mentioned, they gassed out a bit towards the back end of mo- a lot of games. Nick Arima was their top try, uh, point scorer with 100 points for the season. Isn't that crazy, given he didn't play for the last... Yeah, he only played 16 games yeah. of the year. Um, oh, sorry, he played yeah, he played 22 games, Cody Nick Arima. Uh, but he, a lot of it was at the... He got moved the towards the bench bit. and he yeah. was playing nine and he was coming on and off the, off the field. Walsh with nine tries in 16 games. Egan made 818 tackles with 94.7% uh, tackle efficiency, which uh, he actually was a shining light for for the Warriors when he was on the field. Uh, average 41 tackles a match. RTS, the, this is what gets me. He was still up there with most of their attacking stats, especially run metres. He still finished. He's still in the top five Daly M, isn't he? Yeah, close enough. At the, um, at the moment. But he, he was named yeah. in the top five. Not contenders, no. No, oh, wasn't he? I thought he was. He was just out. He would have well, been well, the just thing is, I, I would imagine. When they, think, he was, when they yeah. cut it, they showed up to eighteen, didn't they? And he was still. He, he was in in the top five at that and time. They, they cut it after Monday. Yeah, yeah. still in top five. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Average two hundred meters a game every game that he played. Uh, he had eleven line breaks in seventeen matches. Cody with twelve try uh, with twelve line break assists and Trad Townsend was actually their top try assists, but I think most of them came at the Sharks with fourteen in sixteen yeah, I think games for the year. Um, Lodge with forty four offloads. RTS again with um, what have we got here? Sorry, eighty one tackle busts, but he was also their highest errors with twenty three errors. But when you're trying to do it all on your own, that's going to happen, I would suppose. Yeah, if you watch those games, there's a lot of him throwing ball, or trying to throw offloads with no support and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Lodge with 15 penalties conceded. <laughs> and um, Jazz Devunga missed 59 tackles for the Warriors. Yeah, right. 
Uh, we have not mentioned Tohu, uh, obviously cruel by injury, yeah. but he was absolutely yeah. fantastic yeah. and uh, a big key to their middle f- you know, falling apart in those he games. He would have glued them up the a end. little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Ollie, where to next year? What's it all mean? Well, yeah, the big thing for me is having that imposing forward pack that they're supposed to have this year fit for the majority of the season. I think that's key. Um, I question whether or not I have them in that sort of fight for the top eight. I just don't really see too much of an upside either. But the thing is, their team is just better than the Cowboys, and that's why um, I still have them above them. They could be, but they do need that little bit more. It seems like they're really looking towards 2023 now. The room and signing of Joey Manu is going to be for 2023. Apparently, they're interested in Luke Metcalf for 2023, Dylan Brown for 2023. It sort of seems like they've conceded defeat, if you will, for 2022, looking to free up a bit of cap space for 2023 and sort of go hard there. So I feel like this might be a bit of a, um, not rebuilding, but a bit of a, a miss this year for the Warriors and they might be looking um, a bit more long-term as well. I but feel like they need, to, they need to offload a half if Sean Johnson's coming in, don't they? Yeah. Well, Harris DeVita um, is going to be exploring his options well, on the Is it the Parramatta was connected to him? Uh, no, it was the, Ra- the Raiders, Raiders reportedly yeah. um, went to the Warriors and offered to take him off their hands and they said no. For some reason, which is a bit surprising, because he—I don't know if he necessarily starts next year. There is a bit of congestion in the halves with your Nick Arimas, your Sean O'Sullivan's, and of course Sean Johnson will be the halfback. So there's three options there that you can have partnered with him. But I feel like Harris Tavita's gone well. If they're looking to bring in Joey Manu to play at five eight, or they're looking to bring in Dylan Brown, who I know is reportedly. They want him as a hooker, but he is a half right now. I think he's sort of seen the writing on the wall. At least one of the current halves are going to have to leave, and I think he's happy to be the one to leave. But, um, yeah, they definitely need to let one of their halves go, and, and it will be at least Harris Tavita at the end of next year. But I, I think it would be pretty beneficial to actually let him go now, to be honest. Am I mad in watching – when you watch Dylan Brown play, has, have either of you sat there and gone, geez, you'd be a good hooker? No. No. We can't tackle. I don't know. No, I don't know. He's just, like, I don't know why. How is he going to yeah. make 50 tackles a game? Oh, they've, they've got Egan there. I don't understand why yeah. they'd be looking I... to get rid of Egan, to be honest. Um, maybe get someone in to back him up because he does have a few injuries in him, but no. I wouldn't be pushing Egan out of nine. Last bloke I want to mention uh, is Ewan Aitken finding himself at home in the back row. Uh, mm-hmm. He came in a deadly back row. He's got... The great footwork, and you you take that sort of passing risk away from him. He was, I thought, he was outstanding for a, a lot of. Well, when did you move the back row? Probably a month ago, last month yeah, of the year. He was, he was almost their best player. You get a fit Curran, not having to do all that work, and uh, Torhu going round again. But I don't. They probably won't have Torhu till um. But round probably be looking into nearly round six or seven by the time he comes back from where he's got to be and he is older so you've always got to see him actually come back but uh that to me that's exciting you know you, and you got lodge and, and you have lodge and Fenel blake and bunty and uh murdoch missile on the bench it's it's something you can build on but 
whether that works in the modern game, we don't know. It's actually probably better in the modern game than what they got, what they had this year, because eight can incur in a little bit more mobile, and you know, Toy's going to do a job. So get a few more minutes out of those uh, guys. Yeah, that's. Uh, I thought Dallin looked pretty good. The games he had there for what they were offering him. Uh, Barney, any last takes on the Warriors? Oh, question mark still around the six and the seven. Johnson should help, but. Um, you give him a bit of direction, but he's still going to need uh, a little bit more help to get that ball to the outside backs. Um, and whether their outside backs have got enough strike to um, put on enough points for this team to be competitive, I consider. I think they'll pretty much stay stagnant where they are for the next twelve mm. months. I think that's fair. As you stop talking, I have a mouthful of beer. It's always <laughs> good timing. Um, yeah, yeah. I, you'd almost be you'd be half excited if you you had RTS still there, but. I suppose Absolutely. I'm saying anything about teams like that. Number 11, an interesting case study, the St. George Dragons, who led the comp for a bit. They were undefeated, I think, till the Warriors beat them in round five and then still overperformed. Barney, what did you take from this year for them? Uh, obviously, they had issues throughout with... Uh, well, they had issues throughout. Let's, uh, let's get your stats and what you thought. <laughs> Yeah, so they had eight wins, 16 losses, same as the Warriors, 474 points for and 616 against. So they averaged about 20 points for and 25 and a half against for the season. Um, obviously, they exceeded my expectations. I thought that they would go closer to last than where they actually ended up finishing. I actually had them last. Um, I had big question marks around their forwards, and their forwards were actually a lot better than I thought they were going to be. Um, Tarek Sims obviously found another level. Paul Vaughan was really good up until barbecue, barbecue, barbecue gate, gate or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. um, he was tremendous, actually. He was having one of his better seasons until he's been outed from the club. Um, Hunt, ben Hunt was tremendous. He, he was absolutely the heart and soul for this team while they were up and about and when they were winning games. He was the one who was doing it for them. Uh, Norman had a good game here and there, but um, yeah, again, not enough to get them up into up and in and around the top eight. Where after the start of the year, they definitely should have been. They were running what top four for the first half of the year, and then it's still in the top eight up until the back end of the. They you know, were in the, last, the conversation six weeks in the last. Of the year. I think in the last month they're in a the conversation. Yeah. Um, yeah, they fell away uh, pretty badly. Obviously, on the back of Hunt being out for extended periods with broken arms and legs and all the rest of it, and um, yeah, so it wasn't a bad season for the Dragons considering they've sort of been up and down and all over the place for the last few years. I don't understand. Obviously, they've lost Vaughn now. They've it looks like they're pushing Tarek Sims out of the club, which is a which got question marks all around it for me. I don't know why they would be doing that. Uh, you got some of the their main players are getting towards McCulloch's getting towards the back end of his career. It's, they could go one way or the other here. Um, Dufty's been pushed out of the club too, I believe, has he? He's um, some of the dogs. Yeah, so. This is where I'll let you go first. I'll do a chat. No, no, well, the big thing is I'm a bit pissed off with the Dragons because I believe in our bold prediction show, which we'll be doing the next instalment of in a few weeks, um, I said that they might surprise a few people. And I think that we agreed for my bold prediction to be true. They had to at least finish 10th. So, of course, they went and finished 11th. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had Simpson Hunt definitely is probably the two best players throughout the season for the Dragons. Um, but yeah, that drop off, it was. 
not too dissimilar from what the Dragons used to do back in uh, the mid 2010s where they'd be undefeated and on top of the ladder um, in round 10 and then they'd just absolutely drop off and either just miss or just make the eight. Um, I thought a big disappointment was Cody Ramsey just offered the hype from 2020. Well, he's the Charlie Stain to ride in 2020. Of St. George, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, the, would you rather be the Charlie Stain to or Charlie St. George? I'll let, um, They're both been employed at the end of the year, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, well, he was just a bit of a disappointment because I thought he might kick on a little bit, at least as a winger. And then for a bit, it seemed as though Matt Dufty was being pushed out of the club so that Cody Ramsey could be the the fullback next year and we're thinking, what's going on? But then a young prospect known as Tyrell Sloan came in and everyone sort of went, oh, that's why Dufty's being pushed out. And he's someone I've definitely got down as someone who was impressive. And looking towards 2022, other than the Panthers and the Broncos, I'm not saying they're going to amount to anything, but the Dragons just about, other than those two teams, have the best crop of young players with potential coming through, and it all depends on whether or not they use them right. Um, I don't know what was going on with um, you know, your Tristan Sailors and Jason Saabs, why the Dragons are so happy to let them uh, yeah, sit on the bench. Obviously, Sailors, just don't worry about Tristan Saylor. <laughs> yeah, let's not worry about it. But at the, at the, at the time, the... Um, your sailors and um, and Jason Saab will scratching our heads, and he's end up going on to having a really good year overall at Manly, at least. Um, but yeah, because you've got Sloane coming through, you've got young Jaden Sullivan, who I take it would definitely be partnering. Oh, and by might partner uh, Hunt in the halves next year, but I think Sullivan's definitely with. an option. Yeah, could because Clune and Norman are both gone now. Clune's obviously off to the Knights, so. Yeah, you've got young Sullivan coming through. You've got Tyrell Sloan, uh, young Amone as well, and Amazing. the Fee guys. So they've, they've definitely got something they can build around. And they and they've, they've won comps as well, didn't they? They all won comps on the way through. On the Underage stuff? Coming through. Yeah, in, I know in 2019 as well, um, in the New South Wales Cup, the Dragons were minor premiers that year as well. So yep. there, there's something there coming through, definitely. Now, um, Lomax, who only played 12 games for the season. Um, and, and made and a massive difference when he came back. Didn't still he? their top point scorer, absolutely. Yeah. 86 points is their top point scorer, which is obviously not great. But um, in 12 games, it's it's a pretty good effort. Ravalau had scored 14 tries again in 16 matches. So there is a semblance of something, especially in the back line. There's some young guys coming through that could, um, you know, could increase this point output, uh, the points output for this team, which um, should make them put them in a better position as long as their defence doesn't fall apart. So, Yeah, well, Ben Hunt was, as a sometimes perhaps knocker of Ben Hunt, he was fan- this was he was fantastic. And in the, even the games absolutely. he played on broken legs and broken arms and everything else, he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, the game he's on the field and really sort of justified uh, his status in the game. Uh yeah, love Ravalawa, love what he brings to that team when he's on song. Also uh, keen to see Sloan grow, I, I believe. You know, Sloan's in a conversation for your second choice fullback as a super coach, for example, next year. Uh, but mm-hmm. um Yeah, Barbecue at Gildham, I didn't get the I didn't get the reluctance to play Dufty. I know they think he's not a whatever. Uh there must have been more issues because he was they thought he wasn't an, uh, he was a defensive liability or whatever it might be, and maybe proven right at times. But the games he was on, he's worth. He can produce twenty, twelve, or eighteen points in a game, 
and they needed that. Uh, and I thought that, yeah, crueled them. Obviously, the barbecue thing was the next thing. Uh, what they've got coming in, though, is a little bit of exciting if they can get their back on, right? George Burgess, Francis Molo, Jaden Sewer is going to really help uh, and give them a bit of a foundation through the middle. Uh, where do I see him finishing next year? Probably the same spot, to be honest. Much the same, um, unless... Unless Ben Hunt turns around and... It looks uh, like their back line's going to be better than what it was this year, but they're still, even with those signings in the front row, they've lost a bit there as well. So there's going to yeah. be some question marks on how, how the uh, forward pack's going to aim up. The top tackler for the year was McCulloch with 1,010 tackles, uh, average of 48, 94% efficiency. Dufty uh, led the run metres with hundred average of 154 metres a game in 15 games. Uh, Ravalawa with 17 line breaks, Dufty with 14 line break assists, uh, Ben Hunt with 13 try assists in 15 matches, and one that we didn't mention, um, Greg Bird. They actually got him fit, kept him on the field, and I thought he was um, quite productive for him actually uh, throughout the season. wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest player running around, but I thought he did a pretty good uh, pretty good job most weeks. Who Greg Bird? I was going to say, did he come back from Greg retirement? Greg Bird. Fucking Jack Bird. <laughs> but, uh, I do it all the time. Jack Bird, <laughs> not Greg Bird. Yeah, sorry. GT might need to start up a team for Barney now. Um, do it all the time. Calling always calling after. fucking Greg Bird instead of fucking Jack Bird. 29 offloads in 22 games, 83 tackle busts as well, but he also led the error count with 28 errors. Uh, Maguire gave away nine penalties in 17 matches, and Corey Norman missed 65 tackles for the game. Yeah. Uh, some luggage offload there. But uh, Hooks, <laughs> Hooks, you know, dead set on this. He thinks he plays super coach with a first-grade team, is my understanding, so he's looking <laughs> for discounts where he gets them. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess we all agree they're probably just lobbing around 10th as well, unless they have a really good season. I feel as though they'll finish around the same spot, but we'll see them in a bit more of a positive light, I guess. I think any time a team has year. exciting young players, it's easy yeah. to look at them in a in a more bright light than, you know, war horses that... Absolutely, and, and you're yeah. more than... You're more than happy to give them a year or two as well. Hmm. You know what I mean? Just yeah. to see how they do um, come through. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, if you lined up, I think people are more negative on a Cronulla, which we'll get to in a minute, because they're an older, an ageing playing group as opposed to a Dragons who are a younger playing group. So, uh, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. Uh, the, the, I think we all know number 10. We all know probably the biggest disappointment. I think all of us tipped them at least grand final, mm. if not premiers. Barney and I tipped him to win the comp. Yeah, yeah I, I had him winning the comp uh, with the amount of. They just seem to have players to cover every position, especially in their twenty-five. They had a really solid squad of twenty-five, and whatever for whatever reason, it completely blew up in their face. And the Canberra Raiders, we speak of Barney. So, uh, what? Yeah, stats and what happened? Yeah, they were absolutely the biggest disappointment uh, disappointment of the year for mine. Uh, they ended up with ten wins and fourteen losses. 481 points scored for and 578 against. So 20 points a game they would average in a, in attack and 24 points let in in defence, which is a bit closer than I thought it was um, realistically because there were some games that they got absolutely handed, <laughs> their yeah. ass handed to them. But um, top point scorer was 
one man Jared Croker, which <laughs> was pretty interesting. Um, Rapana with the most tries for the year with 12 in 22 games. Hodgson made 854 tackles, average of 42 and 92% efficiency. Rapana was the top run meters with 3,600 and an average of 164. He also had led the line breaks with 15 line breaks. Uh, this is one of the big stats that for me was most concerning for the Raiders. Hodgson with nine line break assists and Whiten with 10 try assists. For a team that um, would they finish, they've been in and around the top couple for the last couple of years to go fall away that dramatically that the most try assists you get in any year is 10 and your line breaks assists are nine and it's coming from your hooker and your six. They're definitely how, not doing enough with how, the ball. Um, it might be one and the same question here, but we'll spend a little bit more time on these guys because yeah, we thought they'd win the comp. How in, how much did uh, Jack he- uh, Jack Hetherington Jack um, Whiten's form impact this, and then ha- uh, how much did the coaching turmoil impact this? Uh, Barney, you're mid sentence, so I'll let you keep. Oh, going. it looked to me like um, the players were completely off the coach there for a good part of this season. Uh, when mm. the, just the, the stories you're hearing week after week about arguments between uh, players, players' wives coming out bagging the coach, the coach bagging players, <laughs> the, the, the players coming out saying that they, you know, they're homesick or they're depressed and don't feel like playing this game, so they get a week off and then they come back a week later. Um, yeah, some of the noises in the media in and around the Raiders, at, what was it, probably round eight to round 14 or something, was just the absolute head noise must have been tremendous for the playing group. Yeah, so with the Raiders, obviously, I too had them winning the comp. I think that a lot of it did come down to that sort of mid-season standoff, I guess you could say, between Ricky and the players. And I wonder what he actually did to get the players back on his side and to put on a little bit of a run towards the end of the year. Obviously, nothing good enough to actually make the finals, but there was definitely a shift in attitude and he was able to get them back on board because I think there was a point in the season where we're all sort of sitting there and thinking, well, how does Ricky come out of the other end without getting sacked? Like, surely if all of the players are not playing up to the standard we know we can play, they can play too. And they're all saying it's because of the coach. I mean, it's pretty hard to to get him back on side, which um, I, I guess credit to him for that. With Jack White and definitely dis- disappointing. I feel like though one of Canberra's big problems is their tentative to make change. Mm. Jared Croker's the big one. I know he's club captain. He's on. He's up there in terms of all-time point scorer, but he's not a first-grade player anymore, especially when you've had both Sebastian Chris and Matt Tomoko come in play well for parts of the season. Pretty much anyone who was filled in at fullback for Canberra this year has also played well. So Rapana really, I guess, should be the fullback to start next year, meaning Chance. Uh, Juice and no fault of his own will probably start in the centres as well. Um, I, I don't think Croker oh, has a, a spot in that team. Off this year, I can I can understand Chance starting fullback next year because he was good in his last yeah. two games back. But Rapana, Rapana was their best player all year, I, yeah. I think. Uh Probably by a long way. Other other players had good games. In Probably he would have been close. Yeah, but he, he disappeared for most of the he year. disappeared for a while there. I thought. Um, Same with Harry and Ira as well. And Harry and Ira had a eight week burst where he was sensational, yeah. and then yeah. 
fell off a cliff and then got suspended, and he's going to miss, what, a couple of weeks next year. Uh, yeah, I thought they were obviously disappointing because I, I tipped them, I think I tipped them grand finalists. Uh, I probably tipped them in the comp two a long time ago. Uh, but like you said, their reluctance to change, which I think a lot of first-grade clubs are, but I thought the best performances they produced were where I, I would have, as I said openly many times, moved White into the centres and kept uh, Frawley. Frawley? Frawley and... Um, yeah. Is a five eight Williams Williams as a combination for a bit to at least try it, especially if you can then build. You can see now this, some of the best teams now just have those edges where they just play to a side. So you could build a side where you have uh, White and Huira Naira, and then work through that out to Rapana. And I know it's starting fresh, and I know they're scared to sack a bloke who's got three thousand points, or whatever he's got. But uh, to me, I. It looked like the obvious thing to do because that was the best success they had. But that said, the last three or four weeks of the comp, Whiten was amazing. He came in, he started passing the ball, started throwing those long balls, which uh, became deadly. And everyone's probably going to sit back. I, I don't know. If you're a Canberra fan, would you sit back and go, oh, next year looks all right? Or would you be... I think there's bigger bigger questions. I, I think, think so. they're now a bottom eight team. Uh, not a bottom eight team, but a bottom of the top eight. Considering they were a top four team, they've definitely fallen back four or five places, in my opinion, from where they were. Yeah, as Barney's daughter turns up in her excavator. <laughs> um, they... I'd say the biggest, the biggest thing for Canberra, though, that's going against them in terms of maybe getting back into the top eight next year is that other teams have recruited relatively well. There are also other teams that they're already contending with to try and make the Aiders in the Titans and the Sharks too. So they've probably got a bit more of a battle on their hands to make the top eight than they well, certainly in the past couple of years, but in, in, in re- that they've had in recent years. Um, for sure, and in terms of you know actually improving their squad, they don't. They obviously don't necessarily need to because they've been up there in the past in the past couple of years. So Ricky's probably backing them a little bit, but they've not improved their team. Well, a question I didn't necessarily ask. Or Cronulla. Yeah, a question I didn't necessarily ask for the other teams, and I, I certainly meant to and didn't. How would you go about in this off season? Is there anything you can potentially do to change their fortunes next year? Huh? They need to find a seven, I think. Yeah. To be honest, um, they had well, George you, Williams there, who was funny. willing to play out the season, and Ricky spat the dummy and told him to piss off now. So um, that's where that ended up. But um, yeah, they're definitely in need of a good halfback. I think. I just wonder if I hate saying this because everyone think I'm a wanker, but when when you have Hodgson leading your line break assists, and you've got someone like a Luke Brooks who. I think it's what third or fourth on the line break assists and actual try assist count. Um, someone like him's a someone like him would be a fit. I know looking at Tavita Harris, but there might be a mutual beneficiary thing there where they could both be better off for it and a fresh start and, and a mm-hmm. team where Ricky can work with. Uh, and Ricky, I think we, I think we talked. Oh, no, we actually talked about the fact he hasn't really produced a great halfback, has he? So that's a tricky thing. No, he seems, really, to, no. he seems to consistently butt heads with any seven that he's yeah. coached, to be honest. So maybe that's not the right right fit. But some of that, you just think, I just feel like a change of scenery for, for both parties is going to work in a case like that or a case like, see, Tyrone Peachy doesn't, doesn't, he's not an 80-minute halfback. Uh, I don't quite know where the next step is and who they're going to get to to fix it. Sorry about the end. Oh. I, I was going to say, I think Canberra's, best shot is trying to get Mitchell Pearce at this point. 
that would be. I feel like Mitchell Pearce is quite in demand, well. isn't he? Because Bulldogs want him he, too. He, yeah, well, Bulldogs and allegedly need Tigers a, want him. A halves part because he he's a good game controller still, relatively, and those teams need a game controller, especially when you've got the Raiders. Because I feel like either get a halfback and Whiten will benefit from that, not having to deal with so much of the load and can play as more of a running six. But if they can't get a Mitchell Pierce or, or a controlling half before the start of next season, then I would honestly go with Frawley and Williams well, and I th- shift I think right into the They've just re-signed Frawley, centers. so I suspect they've almost a little bit accepted their fate. Yeah. Then, uh, uh, Frawley's got a bit of a kicking game, but you would be better off obviously going and getting a, a Mitchell Pierce if you could. I, I still don't yeah. feel like that solves... The issues, yeah. <laughs> uh, they and you know, the, the other big issue coming for all these teams is the seventeenth team. If you yeah. want to go and get uh, not so much Mitchell Pierce, I don't think they'll target him. But if you want to go get a young up and comer, you, you're fighting. You're almost paying overs now. And I think one of the player agents came and said this: like the the market's now inflated because you, you're. Uh, uh, I, I believe uh, Reed Marnie's top of the list for the. Let's call him Redcliffe for the Dolphins. Uh, Reed Marnie's, you know, the first choice hooker. So if you want a Marnie, if Parra want to keep him, they're going to have to pay seven hundred, where they can just flop out seven hundred or or eight hundred and get Reed in a heartbeat. So you've inflated the market straight away. Uh, Barn, any thoughts on that? No, not, not to be honest with you, mate. Now, just the last two stats I had was Papali'i with thirty offloads and. Very good, and Rapana with 138 tackle uh, tackle busts, which was one of the higher ones in the entire season. Yeah, he was. He's get. He won't be chosen in it, but Rapana should be talked about in one of the wingers of the year. I think he was fantastic this year. It was his best year coming back, and I thought he was easily their best player. Uh, and also a great impression from Barney's daughter just then of Ricky Stewart, Stewart during the middle part of the season. Spot on. <laughs> uh, their forward pack just quickly uh, ticks. Yay or nay, Hudson Young? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I give him a pass mark. Tapane? Started slow, but yeah, back end of the season. He had a, he had a, he had a fantastic end of the season, as seems to be the theme of what we talk about. And uh, uh, Corey Horsburgh missed a lot, and Hiro and I, those two, well, the last couple will throw out. Oh, who were Amira was fantastic once yeah. he when he first came in. Um, Horsburgh was oh, he probably doesn't get a pass mark for me. No. Um, he's got a lot of improvement. Whether they it looked like they might even be looking to move him on. So they're very yeah. well, they're happy to let him out, aren't they? Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say with um, Tarpany and Hudson Young, it's a pass mark, but. We expect a, a hell of a lot more from those two players in particular heading into this season. Yeah, I, I thought I agree. I thought that'd be. I, I I had them pegged Angus Crichton level by the end of the year. I thought I had them in my yeah. super coach. Yeah, just and I hate to bring back super coach, but I, I was looking at them as to use Barry. super coach terms, eighty point players every week, and then just not. <laughs> Tarpon they were okay. Good. That, that's about the best you could say. But they, they weren't they Angus were Crichton. Okay. They weren't. Um, no. They weren't even a Satili, maybe a bit better defensively, but anyway, um, where to next year? I suppose it's all a pineapple, and we'll save that for our preview show. Yeah, they'll be in the scramble for the bottom of the eight, I think, same as what they were at the end of this year. 
All right. Ninth place, Barn. We'll get this through for you so you can go and see your beautiful daughter there. Uh, the Sharks, uh, in my opinion, overperformed. I had them for the spoon, so they did a, a fantastic performance from them, given they lost a coach for apparently no reason, really. When you look back on it, I still can't <laughs> explain that. Like it, uh, completely baffling. Uh, complete, and given they were carrying a squad of 10 blokes that were either broken down, halfway broken down, or... Uh, but had a like foot out the door. Basically, you're not wanted next year. He wanted to continue, and they just thought it'd be better to, you know, they didn't realistically want yeah. him, want him to get him into the eight and then embarrass him or whatever. Where's he now? He got a job year, actually. So he's at um, he's an assistant somewhere. South so maybe. Might, yeah, not sure, but he signed up as an assistant for one I'll of the better it. teams. Anyway, so. but um, yeah, you have the platform. Tell us your stats and then, and give us your opinion of just where the sharks are actually at. Well. 10 wins, 14 losses, 520 points for, 556 against. So 21 and a half points on average for and 23 on average against. Um, as you mentioned, I had them in at 10th. So it was pretty much where I thought they would finish the year. I had a lot of people telling me, as you mentioned, that they'd be in the bottom four or closer to last than what they would be to the top eight. So realistically it was as I said that's pretty much what I thought I didn't I expected them to miss the eight and um, they were still in a fighting chance in the last game of the year to to make it um, good enough but uh, yeah to obviously we expect improvement hopefully a few of the signings that they've got coming their way they sh- I think they should uh, improve and maybe finish around sixth next year but obviously there's a lot to play out between now and then Uh as you mentioned, the, the forward pack was a bit older, a bit slower than, you know, but they still got through and did their, did their work. Their, their biggest problem is their defence. It has been for a few years. Um, they get they get torn up in, in and behind the ruck and uh, a lot of their forwards struggle to move laterally um, when you've got quick blokes coming in behind the back of the ruck and they miss a lot of miss a lot of tackles. They were the leading missed tackles for any team in the competition. Uh, and on that stat, Toby Rudolph was actually second for missed tackles. Uh, he does make a lot, but he misses a few as well. So he had 90 missed tackles for the season. Trindle was the top point scorer with 88 points, uh, 14, 14 tries. We had... Uh, who, who's made these tackles? No, uh, Blake, Blake Braley made five, 956 tackles and an efficiency of 88.3%. Didn't he lead the comp? I think they, I no, think um, Jake lit. One of the Brailies was Jaden. Jaden was Yeah, they were, they ran the Quinella in the whole comp. Yeah, no, they, old Mama Brailie, you wouldn't want to get away from Mama Brailie with her handbag, sure. would you? She'd she'd <laughs> snaffle you down. Will Kennedy was absolutely the shining light for the Sharks this year. He had three thousand five hundred running meters, an average of one hundred and forty-six. Line breaks were uh, Sione Katoa with 17 line breaks. Kennedy with 21 line break assists and 14 try assists was the leader there. Ramian made 35 offloads and he had 101 tackle busts. Um, as I've mentioned many times, he's very good with ball in hand. He got a few defensive issues, but he was um, he was one of the stronger ball runners for the Sharks. Kennedy made 22 errors. Nakora gave away 15 penalties. And I already mentioned Rudolph missing 90 tackles. Um as I said, there's a few bright sparks there. With um, it's going to be interesting how they go with the halves. Whether it's Trindle that partners, I'm expecting Hines to come in and play six next year. But we'll see what they actually do there. Could Nico Kennedy, play seven? 
I think he'd be better off as a six. I yeah, think he's, I agree. He's got more of a running game. Um, and Trindle does look like he's got a kicking game that could control a team. So yeah. I'd probably like to see him at seven and six, but we'll see what, what they actually right. do. Um, they've looks like Woods and Tolman have both basically been told that they can find somewhere else to go to if they can. So with Finucane and McInnes coming back in, as I said, I expect them to improve a little Is bit. Is Tolman out there next year? Oh, he's been. I think he, he's still there at the moment, but they've basically told him they don't have an objection if he can find somewhere else to go. So, well, I, I don't think he's signed for next season. Mm. Wow, he would be. So. Keep going. He would be someone <laughs> as a club if you just wanted a workhorse. Tigers. Both. Well, I wouldn't say no to Aiden Tolman. I would yeah. not say no. Um, yeah, Finnecane McKenna's coming in should shore up that middle a little bit and hopefully fix up a few defensive issues in there. They still got they they need blokes like Nakora to improve. Um, Jack Williams, Toby Rudolph. While they're still they're okay, they're serviceable first graders at the moment. They still there's room for improvement, and if they want to be pushing towards the top four, they need to improve on where they were this year. Yeah. But um, yeah, I see them in and around the same sort of position as where they finish this year next year. So look, I think they overperformed this year given I'm running spoon, and and with the way the club's run and with what happened with John Morris. Fantastic effort. I thought actually Morris had him overperforming before he got the arse. Uh, completely yeah. overperforming, which made no sense to me at the time. And then I thought they'd fall off a cliff. They half did, but still battled on quite well. Given uh, how what they were ca- allegedly carrying this year, I think they still overperformed. Uh, if I was a Sharks fan, I, would, I think I'd be pretty happy with the effort. Uh, given they, they were within a game and probably produced one of their worst performances to miss out on the finals. Uh, so that was... Just bear with me as I refresh my TV. Uh, so I think that was a good thing. And I thought Woods and Tolman were two of the best players. If you ask me who their two best players, three best players on my head were, obviously I would have said um, Kennedy up there. But Tolman and Woods, what they produced every week, uh, was fantastic uh, at that level and didn't get treated the way yeah, you mentioned near Cora. Uh, for one of the alleged best line runners, he had a lot of games where he sort of ran the wrong line and faffed around a bit and that sort of thing. You, uh, you nailed Ramian pretty well. I think you nailed the rest of it pretty well. You know, what, what do you do with Moylan next year? I don't know. Plays <laughs> 14. I think he plays, he ultimately <laughs> plays 14, really. Uh, but with, with, with getting McGuinness back, Finally, uh, getting Nico there and getting Fanukan, it's going to shore up you. That is a massive amount of tackles in the middle of your field. You're going to, you think that's a, you're taking 12 points a week off what you're conceding. Uh, so that's got to be a tick. I think I think they're they're looking at the same spot. If they play really well, they're going to finish sixth or seventh. If they don't, they're going to finish ninth or tenth. Uh, very interesting to see where they go. So. Uh, yeah. Ollie? Yeah, well, before I give my sort of analysis, I guess, from Corona, I have a question for Barney. Yes. We have McInnes coming in, Finucane coming in, the season that Blake Braley's had. How do you fit those three in? Because McInnes can play lock, but so can Finucane, obviously. I, I can't see Blake Braley really getting dropped from Booker to make way for McInnes. Maybe at the start of this year, when they signed him, um, I could could have seen that as a possibility, but Braley's gone on to be great defensively. 
in what way do you fit those three blokes in, in your starting lineup, or do you? Well, the the club came out when they signed McInnes that he was signed He's as a thirteen. Lock. Yeah. So okay. I expect him to play thirteen. Um, as you said, I can't see them. Uh, Braley's quite good at getting out from dummy half and uh, making pretty good run meters, and his defense is good enough. Well, it's not the top echelon. He does make plenty of tackles. So um, I basically, I can see McGuinness maybe jumping in there occasionally and sort of giving him a bit of a breather here and there, but I think McGuinness will play uh, mainstay at lock. I expect Finnecane to actually play in the front row, to be honest. Um, I think they'll use him as a front rower. And then when the interchanges come on with your Hammy and your Wellies and stuff like that, you may see him slide into a back row position and they can give one of the back rowers a rest. Um, I expect him to play probably 60 to 80 minutes in most games. So he, I, He'll, he'll sort of bounce between front row and, and the back row, I would suggest. But I, I expect he'll probably spend most of the season in the front row. So. I, I feel like it's right, given if they're trying to flick Tolman and Woods is already out the door, it's not like they've got front rowers lining up beyond maybe maybe, maybe moving Rudolph there as well. But Yeah, Rudolph and Hamian Newelli, I would yeah. imagine, would be the, through the three main props for next year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts? Any final thoughts on the Sharks, boys? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, Ollie hasn't given his rap. Oh, yeah, Ollie, do, do your well, thing, well, sorry. I, I just wanted to give, uh, I guess, a bit of a rap as well as Will Kennedy because I thought with Cronulla's forwards for most of the year, it was either the pairing of Woods and Tolman would have a really good game, which most of the time it was, or it would be um, Nakora and Hamlin Ueli coming off, off the bench or Italikai as well. Um, but then sort of towards the end of the year, they did drop off a bit as a whole of Ford Pack. And I think that's when, well, Will Kennedy was consistent throughout the year, but that's when your Militalos and Jesse Raymond really stood up. And I think they were really sort of the three heading into the end of the season um, that stepped up for Cronulla. So shout out to those guys. And basically for next year, I, I think it, it's obviously they've not signed the exact same types of players. And you could say that, um, Cronulla, at least I think, probably recruited better than the Titans did last year for this year. But Cronulla, I think, will go into the 2022 NRL season with the expectations that the Gold Coast Titans went into 2021 with. Uh, a team that's missed the finals, yeah. recruited relatively well, and most people would be banking on them making the finals as a, a relatively sure thing to at least be in those last couple of last couple of places, but um, the Titans nearly cocks that up this year, and um, I, I can't see Cronulla nearly cocking it up in 2022. Uh, Barn, is there anything else you'd like to see over the off-season or well, in the like next year? I'd like added mobility towards the pack, obviously, with the guys we mentioned, uh, Finnecane and McGuinness, it gives them a lot more lateral movement, in, especially in defence, and um, offers a little bit more in attack as well. Sharks never really had any sort of game-breakers in their forward pack, Um Question, yes. completely random. Sorry, had a, yes. had a brain fart as we talk. Uh, Tyrone Peachy, would he work at the Sharks in this current setup as a 14? I'd, I'd play him at 14 in front of Moylan. 100%. That was the brain fart. <laughs> We're not yeah. doing a trade. Forget about it. No, he's gone. Peachy's <laughs> been given the hours. Yeah, I'm just saying and we're not taking him. No, no, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone can take him. But I just thought he might be the perfect 14 for you, actually. It could help, yeah. It'd, it'd add a little bit more spark to the attack and probably give um, take a little bit of pressure off the halves, which wouldn't hurt. Mm. Um, mm. Sorry, keep talking. Um, 
That was, that was my <laughs> no, daggy moment right. for the for um, the afternoon. As I said, yeah, the bloke, blokes like Tal- it's going to depend on how much Nakora and Talakai can improve and add that sort of X factor in attack to where mm. they can bust tackles and sort of set up their their centers and their wingers and put them away. It's um, a real clutch year for them, isn't it? Because they were they were going to be superstars two years ago, and now they're. Yeah, this will be make or they're break fine. for someone yeah. like Talakai or Nakora. Yeah, whether their their careers kick on and they become, you know, so move into that top sort of area, or they just stay and mm. just be first graders. So yeah, um, yeah, if they can get a little bit of extra um, strike on on the edges of the ruck, they can um, they could quite possibly be um, quite effective in attack. But I expect the defence to improve, and whether their attack does or not, will be. Um, there's question marks around that and how Hines actually fits in and how the well, um, a, back rowers. It's the great unknown, isn't it? Just what Fitzgibbon actually does bring as a head coach and what yeah. Nico brings as a first choice 5 8, I suppose. But yeah, cool. Yeah. Nothing. No, nothing. Well, it's, it's just a bit interesting that um, instead of driving Matt Moylan to the airport next year to go over to England, Barney might end up just needing to drive Matt Moylan to Hanson Park, which is, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, Speaking that's all right. of Henson Park, so are we never ever going to see Billy Magulius as a first grade footballer? Is that was that just was that just a, like that not, just not a reserve sharks. grade team, a reserve grade not dream? Sharks. Yeah, how about that? He, he looked like he had some skills there, and he looked like they definitely could be. Um, but he, the Sharks definitely didn't want him in and around that team, so they um they they, they did their best to keep him out of that team. So it'd be interesting to see what happens when he does move on. Yeah, I guess, yeah, there it is. Uh, just quickly, so we'll finish on two two key points. Which team we, that we do we discuss to get the highest hopes for next year, boys? Ollie? It'd have to be the Sharks in terms of making the finals, but I think the biggest improvers will probably be Brisbane. Yeah, I'd like to as well, to be honest. I think the Sharks and Brisbane have the, the most to improve on. The Raiders, if they can pull their finger out and get their, their shit together, they could be pushing for the eight as well. But I've got concerns around their number seven. So, yeah, it have to be the Sharks and the Broncos for me. Yeah, right. and I'll tell you what, just, just on the Canberra comment there, Barney, if they somehow win the comp next year, oh, man. SP in the lead up. Uh, yeah, it's... Uh... I think Brisbane, Brisbane and Sharks are the two that we'll we'll be talking about in top eight terms when we do our preview show in January, I believe. Uh, and almost in a little way, have higher hopes for Brisbane than the Sharks, but they're the two. Uh, mm-hmm. And a, and just quickly, a player from the, the teams we spoke about that is going to springboard next year and be someone we talk about, you know, in, in glowing terms. Hastings one on my radar. I'd be really interested to see how he fits into that Tigers setup. I think he's got a fair bit to offer too. So, well, he, and the thing is, it, the interesting thing is, yeah, Hastings and Tukumano are probably the two. Yeah. Uh, Stefano springboarding off that, and Hastings would be the probably the two for me. Uh, away from Tigers, obviously Burton's one that is going to be very interesting again to see how he fits into that dog setup. Yep, and uh, look, I'll mention, if I need to find someone else, I'll mention uh, Tyrell Sloan. I think he'll have a... I'm just looking forward to see where he goes. Yeah, Yeah, my big one would have to be Adam Reynolds. Just the intrigue of seeing him at another team um, in another state, 
just a complete, I guess you could say, career overhaul for him. He sort of stepped out of his comfort zone. He could have re-signed with South Sydney, I believe, but um, he wanted to back himself a bit, a bit of a longer-term deal. He's got that now at, at the Broncos, so it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, interesting to see as well how early into the season his impact is really on display, whether or not he sort of needs to ease in a bit or not. Very good. It has been our first Sunday session. I hope we do a few more. I really enjoyed it. I want to keep going with the rest of the teams now, but uh, we need to let Barney go and see the beautiful little Harper and uh, his wife, Jenny, who has turned, what, 21 yesterday. Happy birthday to her. Yes. <laughs> um, if she listens to the replay. Uh, but, yeah, happy, I'll let you go and uh, do what you do with the fam. Unlikely. Good evening, gentlemen. See you guys. And uh, we'll you. do this again next... No, no, it's grand final time next Sunday, so we'll try and do this. We're going to do this Wednesday night. Bottom four, uh, next for Wednesday. Yep. And then the top four... After uh, the grand final. Wednesday week. Yep. Thanks for joining in, everyone. We'll talk to you shortly. Yep.